Today's episode is a big episode. With today's episode, we've hit 50 episodes of Earned um, and just hit the 10-year mark for helping to start Tribe. I thought it'd be fun to reflect on the last 50 episodes and the last couple of years of Earned. We had CEOs, CMOs, and founders at brands like Ulta Beauty, Harvard University, North Face, Hollister, Olaplex, Aloe Yoga, ColourPop, Gymshark, Gucci, and five of our companies get acquired. Tula, Supergoop, Youth of the People, Sweaty Betty, Ilya, Milk Makeup. Actually, it's six and all for hundreds of millions of dollars. Two other of our companies have announced that they surpassed $100 million in revenue in Glow Recipe and Hero Cosmetics. And the show is growing. So our YouTube channel over the last 365 days is up almost 100% year over year. From April of last year to April of 2020, the downloads have grown by 4,782%. We did all this while switching from a in-person format to a virtual format. And so with that, I'd really like to thank everybody that contributed to this, whether it was the listeners and the guests or our production crew, including Dan Weir, who helped us launch the show and ultimately guide the show. And then the biggest shout out of all to Taylor Maskett, who's my right hand and everything earned related. And so as part of that, I also want to make a few announcements. So as you guys know, we joined forces with Creator IQ just a few months ago, maybe five, six months ago now. And so we're gonna make a slight name change. So it'll still be earned, it'll be by Creator IQ. We'll also be giving away $100 to 50 of our listeners. So follow for details of that. And then also, hopefully we'll explore some new formats this year. Maybe some shorter stuff, maybe a little bit higher frequency, we'll see. But thanks again for sharing the word and for being a part of the community we're trying to build. Excited for the next 50 episodes. And thanks again, guys. Uh, keep the recommendations coming and we'll try to keep working to make this thing better. Influencers, inspiration, and Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. This is Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Here's Connor Begley. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Earned. I am pumped today. I have a good friend, good long-term friend, David Chung, on the show today. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. Thank you. It's really nice seeing you, Connor. And finally, we're doing this. I know. I've been talking to you about it for months, and I finally got you on here. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited, too. <laughs> so for those that don't know David, um, David was the founder and CEO of Pharmacy Beauty, which he just sold to Procter & Gamble. Prior to that, he was the founder of Inglewood Labs, which he also sold off. Um, and did very well with. And then most recently was the founder of iLabs, which is an independent uh, lab and you know similar to Inglewood Labs, production company for brands that does some really cool thing with up and coming um, you know people that want to create their own brands, right? So we'll talk about that a little bit today. And then I think for you know part of the reason that we're connected at pharmacy is pharmacy itself was one of the top performing brands we saw in the entire skincare category when it came to EMV and influencers. I think finishing 2021 in our top 10 brands in skincare. So congrats on all your success, David. It's uh, it's obviously really impressive. Thank you. Thank you, Connor. And David, I think at one point offered to exchange equity with my co-founder and I, and uh, <laughs> you know we should have done it because he sold his company for like five times as much as we sold our company for. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you live and you learn. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the conversation about three, four years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, we we screwed that one up. Um, so let's. Um, so obviously, I know we talked a little bit about Inglewood Labs. We talked about Pharmacy Beauty. We talked about you know iLabs a little bit. But I actually want to take a hop back 
before that. Um, you know, I think for a lot of people that listen to this podcast, you know, their goal is to get to where you are today, right? Because it's it's obviously, you know, a pretty impressive list of accomplishments. And I know you've always kind of fancied yourself as a brand builder. I know that's part of your history as well. But give me a little bit of the the history for like, you know, before Inglewood Labs, you know, what were you doing? How did you get into the beauty industry? And then what what led you into kind of the last 15 or so years? Well, um, I've always been a, um, like a serial entrepreneur. Um, my first company I started uh, you know, right out of school when I was 23. Um, so I really uh, never had an opportunity to work for anyone. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, uh, and, you know, first was retail store, uh, and, and it was when Blackboard, before the Blockbuster really existed, uh, I did the video uh, rentals and stuff. And then we continue uh, doing different types of business. Um, did the fashion, you know, I represented Emilio Pucci at one time when I was like 26 years old. And then, uh, so my first uh, business in the beauty um, is a retail, uh, retail store called Cosmetic Awards, uh, which had seven stores. It's a small high-end uh, store. We carried about 40 different brands, um, mostly like La Prairie, Sicily, La Mer, uh, Chanel, those brands, um, mainly in the West Coast. Uh, and that's where I got an idea that, you know, why am I keep selling uh, brands that I have no equity on, <laughs> and I realized you know, that I should have my own brand where I have that I own the equity. So that's when the idea came about, and I started my first brand called Three Lab, uh, Three Lab Skincare. I sold in my store uh, for a while, and then people keep asking me, you know, where is this brand sold other than Cosmetic World? So I felt that I need a brand credibility. So I launched in Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, at the time, I think it was Deborah, Debbie Walters there. And and after we launched Saks Fifth Avenue, we moved out to Barney's uh, and sold uh, nationwide in Barney's and did extremely well. And what's interesting story about how I got into uh, contract manufacturing uh, in Golab was while I was a uh, running launching a three lap or running a three lap brand, I was really, really frustrated with uh, third party country manufacturers out there. Uh, and I wasn't as L'Oreal, I was a small guy running small batches and small runs, so always treating me like second class citizens. And it was very, very difficult. And that's why I decided that, you know what, I think here in East Coast area, we really need some good country manufacturing. And I, I could see there's so much demand for that kind of service. So I real, and then so I started uh, Ingo Lab, and really all I did was give them a great service. What I was missing when I was doing three lab, and um, it just grew. Uh, obviously, I had no idea what I was getting into um, <laughs> because there was a lot of work. Uh, anything about manufacturing, and somebody tell me, "Oh, David, you need to go out and get a kettle." I said, what the hell is kettle? Something to do with the cat, you know, like, and, um, and, and so that's how I started in 2005 and it just grew. And so I took comp company public in 2016 and then 
finally exited uh, in 2018 to a Korean company in South Korea um, called Cosmeca Korea. And then I want to just focus on pharmacy uh, because we launched pharmacy, as you know, in 2015 with Sephora together as great partnership. And and I just wanted to brand. I didn't want to do manufacturing anymore because it was a lot of work. But again, I ran into the same problem running pharmacy um, and after selling my manufacturing business. So all over again, uh, in 2020, I launched the um, iLabs about a little over two years ago, mainly um, focusing on research and development and R&D and innovation as well as uh, supporting indie beauty brand. So that's kind of my background um, before pharmacy. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's interesting. I remember when we got a tour of your lab, you were talking about some of the processes you were doing and you know some of the things that you had integrated that normally you would bring to somebody else, right? But you had talked about turnaround time in terms of you know, being able to go and test it and get the results back versus having to wait two weeks is a big deal, right? It speeds things up. I'm actually surprised that you haven't thought about going full vertical integration and doing manufacturing brand and going back to retail. Uh, have you ever thought about doing that again or is retail too hard? <laughs> yeah, retail is hard. So when I was uh, doing cosmetic work, I actually, at one point, I owned retail uh, brand, Relab and Ingolab at the same time and running three vertically integrated business. It was great experience, um, absolutely no doubt. And But after doing three different um, types of business, and my passion was uh, branding. Uh, I realized that I'm a good, I'm a good at building a, a brand from like zero to, I don't know, $50 million or $100 million. Uh, so I realized I, have ta- I had a talent for that, and I enjoyed it the most, to be honest. Uh, Manufacturing is a lot of work. Uh, you know, I love challenges. Um, I like to get things done. So, um, but at the end, uh, I think I want to do more branding uh, and you know, help other people build brands. I love to do that. I think that's my passion uh, today. Uh, but I don't think I want to go back to um, doing retail, you know, anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just you know knowing you, I'm surprised that that hasn't uh, that hasn't happened yet. So, on the kind of on the topic of creating brands, you know, um, you know, you are launching some new brands, um, you know, that we'll find out over time about. Um, and we had talked about kind of doing that, you know, helping you out, working with you on it a little bit, and you know, you. So when we met with you, it was my co-founder and I, right, John. And when we met, you know, one of the things that you said that really stood out was that whenever you would talk to me, I would bring John into the picture, right? I would want him to be involved because we are business partners and any time I'm spending, you know, not on the business, I think should be kind of evenly split. And uh, you thought that was really important. And so talk to me about, you know, the last kind of 30 years, obviously you've had a lot of long-term relationships, whether it's in business or personal um, what is it that caused you to kind of latch onto that as an important concept, this kind of long-term relationship and, uh, and equal equity? Um, where have you seen that kind of benefit you over time? Well, I think the relationship uh, in any capacity is so critical in life. 
uh, and business, especially business. Uh, and, you know, people asked me, like, um, you know, hey, David, how did you become successful in a lot of ways? I tell them, you know, um, all along the way, uh, I was so blessed and that great people, and I was surrounded by great people who really put me in the mat. You know, of course, I worked hard. I, you know, did all the right things. But at the end of the day, it was the relationship and people that really helped me grow. And I think when I see you and John, you know, it's too like, you know, Batman Robbins, you know, team <laughs> where you guys really um, uh, build that relationship. And, and that's, that's, that's how you guys are growing. And I think the same way for me, you know, I did not have partner. It was um, by myself. Uh, sometimes a little bit lonely, but um, but it was people, you know, but even in Google Lab, you know, these people introduced me to another people, did the relationship, and they are the ones gave me a purchase order of millions of dollars, you know, mm -hmm. and really have to uh, and, and branding too for pharmacy, you know, having a team and creating a team who's very passionate and dedicated in, the, in having the relationship with this team really made the brand successful. I mean, I did some, but these are the people who really made the company successful. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, the thing I always think about is obviously as you get bigger, you know, the decisions you make as the leader of a company become more important, but you also become a smaller and smaller percentage of the company, right? When you have two people, you're 50% of the company. When you have 10 people, you're 10%. You have 100, you're 1%, right? Like your individual contributions, like you're not talking to the customers every day. You're not developing all the products. You're not doing all the branding. And so um, ultimately your ability to kind of inspire, attract, work with, develop relationships with people ends up being really important, possibly the most important part. Um, at least in my opinion. And so, yeah. And then also I think that, you know, people can be really short term in the way that they think about things. And it's like, how much stronger is a relationship that I have with my wife or with my business partner or whoever, when like we've known each other and we've worked together for 10 years, right? We just know each other so well, strengths, weaknesses, good, bad. Um, it's a, it's a superpower when you can do it. Um, so and you know your employees is they spend more time with me than sometimes with their wife or their husband because they're here all the time and well, i guess most important is how do you really respect them and, and and make them feel part of the family and part of the success and at the end and how to give back to those people um and i think that's the key and i think i look back for all the business that i have done and why, you know, one of the main reasons that it was successful, it is the reputation. It's all mm -hmm. about reputation. And, you know, I give lectures uh, to my team here when we do town halls. I say, you know, three important things in my company. It's not revenue. It's not profit. It's about re reputation, reputation, and reputation. That's all I'm looking for from my my people. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, in every in every capacity, right? um, so people walking in from the lobby to all the way to when they leave, so just the reputation of how we do things in this company. Uh, and I tell them, once you do that, 
trust me, business will be there and money will come. So don't worry about the money, don't worry about the revenue. Uh, it will just come naturally once you have that. And that's my philosophy and that's been, always been uh, my approach to life, I guess. Yeah, I think about that all the time in terms of, you know, for me, it's like, if you do things the right way, like if you try to really provide value to people and you try to really do your best work and you try to, you know, represent yourself in the right way, et cetera, you know, in the long run, that wins, right? Very meaningfully. Um, I remember we very early on at Tribe, we had a brand who now is like a top five top 10 skincare brand that we track at the time. They were very small. It was a team of like three people and, you know, they signed up for our services and something happened. I don't know, miscommunication, something. And they got like a month or two in and like, we need to cancel our contract and it's a contract and you know, whatever. And so my team was like, you know what? It's fine. Like if they're unhappy, like I don't want them to feel like they have to pay, right? It's not worth it. Um, and you know, that relationship will be worth a lot more to us over time especially if, you know, they feel like we're going out of our way to, you know, do right by them. Um, and it's now one of our larger clients and, you know, one of the best performing brands in the industry. And they, it took them a year or two, but they eventually came back and started working with us again. And, you know, that time it went really well. And they've been like really happy with us since then. So it's uh, taking the long view on this stuff is super important, especially I, th I like your focus on reputation specifically. So let's talk about pharmacy a little bit. So obviously, you know, from a purely financial perspective was, you know, from at least what I understand, kind of the biggest success you've had so far. Um, you know, what was it? What what was it about that brand in particular that you think um, caused it to do so well in such a short period of time? Like what were what were the core kind of pieces of that? Um, I think there's many ingredients to to that success in short period, uh, and one of them is uh, uh, we at Ingo Lab. When I was at uh, running Ingo Lab, you know, we really designed amazing formulations of the product, such mm -hmm. as green green. And so every all the formulation the formulas uh, in the product was created in house uh, with my chemist, everyone. So we did create amazing products. Uh, and uh, we didn't cut corners in, in any matters, just use the best ingredients, best raw materials, uh, make sure you have efficacy, and that was one of them. And I think the other also was having a great retail partner like Sephora. Mm -hmm. uh, and we really created together um, teamwork. Uh, you know, we walked into Sephora without any product, it was a piece of paper. And literally without any uh, brand name, uh, it was just a concept and idea. And we worked together and in the partnership with this work. And that's another ingredient that was an uh, important ingredient for um, pharmacy success. And at the end, the team that I put together um, at the time um, was just amazing. And, and I really been thankful for those people. Uh, it's a lot of work and their talents Instagram and passion. Um, so I think those three parts really made friends. Oh, and timing on clean beauty, uh, you know, we always believe that's the future, sustainability. At the time, the clean beauty was not as, you know, how we talk about today. Um, and 
And those approach from skin, from table, from skin type concept. And it was always about an ingredient and raw material story, an efficacy story um, on, on from the farm growing. Um, so in the beginning was Echinacea, then later was honey and different things. Yeah, was there, you know, in terms of signaling clean beauty specifically, because obviously that was a big part of it, um, you know, is that something that you get to see on your manufacturing side to make, oh, wow, everybody's starting to talk or buy this product, right? So you get kind of insight into what, uh, what categories might be moving where. Is that something that came through kind of Inglewood Labs and when you first observed it? Or was it just something that you thought you were kind of betting on would be important? I think it was a multi-thing, you know, we, we deal with a lot of ingredient companies, we call raw material vendors, and there's a, hundreds and thousands of raw materials vendors out there, and they're constantly visit, visiting us as their customer and introducing new technologies, uh, new ingredients that no one has ever seen before. Uh, and more we talk to these people, we see where the directions on ingredient story is going, uh, and then Obviously, talking to the merchants in the retail, like the four are they talking to end user, and, mm -hmm. and they see what's selling in the store. And so, you know, at the time, we all knew just from being in the industry and being so connected, whether it's um, from raw material supplier to country manufacturing to branding, we saw that the future is the clean beauty, sustainability. Mm -hmm. How do you create a packaging that's biodegradable, so good for the good for the environment? And we knew that's going to be the next 20, 30 years, and that's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. And it's going to continue to do it that way. So that and we and we just got lucky and and started early. And I think more and more that's the, I still believe that's the direction now. Yeah, I mean it seems to have become kind of the standard, and in a lot of ways, frankly, it's kind of it's something as simple as the language, just using the word clean. It's like, well, what is everything else? Like not clean? Like that's, that can't be good. <laughs> like I don't want to put like not clean stuff on that. That, that feels bad. Yeah. So I, you know, and people talk about natural then, you know, it's what's natural. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about iLabs a little bit, right? So, you know, obviously you came back, started iLabs because you couldn't get the manufacturing done that you wanted to get done for pharmacy. Um, what is different about iLabs than say Inglewood Labs? Like what's different about your approach? Um, yeah, talk to me about that. Cause I know you're bringing in independent chemists and kind of helping them to create their own brands. Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, so after um, launching my own brands, I realized that Success of brand, uh, one of the key ingredients is to have an amazing product, mm -hmm. a really, really good product. So as a contract manufacturer now, um, I really wanted to focus on R&D and innovation. That was key. And when I create a company logo, I put I in the front, and I stands for innovation. Mm -hmm. So our legal entity is Innovation Labs, uh, Inc. And so when people ask what is iLabs and I said we are an R and D company doing innovation in skincare and hair care, uh, but we have people uh, batching and filling and manufacturing, but 
core of our business is innovation. And, and I took that approach because I realized that was one of the things that brand needs to become successful. Uh, so, so I created a um, uh, iLabs in South Korea, Seoul, uh, where we have a chemist uh, and looking for new raw materials, new medium stories, uh, and, and they formulate in their own culture way, you know, thinking something outside the box. Uh, we just opened Japan, uh, it just delayed due to COVID, uh, but I left Japan now, you know, coming live and also picking up an R&D center in Japan as well. And looking for what's interesting in Japan, you know, what the material is very hot, uh -huh. what kind of packaging, what kind of uh, formulation. So at the end, that was the core of um, ILAB. And then, second thing that I wanted to put something in ILAB that I was not able to do in the lab was, you know, I remember when I was um, running the lab, we used to get a lot of emails literally all over the world and some countries that I never heard before. <laughs> and the question that they, they have was, oh, I'm an influencer, I'm a uh, movie star, or I want to start my own brand. What is your MOQ? Uh, how do I go about doing it? And we really uh, disregard all those emails because we did, we did not set up to cater to like you know, 1,000 teams, 500 teams. Because the minimum order quantity for Indolab was 10,000 piece per SKUs. So, uh, so we, you know, we usually brush them away by saying, we have to order 100,000, so they don't come back to ask the same question again. Then I realized, this is the future. This mm. is, there's so much demand for these people, these entrepreneurs around the world, whether they're China, KOLs, Whoever it is wants to start a brand, where do they go? And so I said, what, you know, you got the supply and demand rule, and where's the supply? There is a demand here. Yeah. And then I realized that iLab should be that company uh, and really support these brands uh, and able to buy a small quantity, a small 100 piece, and able to just start the engine going, you know, just turn it on and just start something. So um, that was the concept, and of course we deal with 150 brands today, you know, big brands, um, you know, um, multi-billion dollar company as well, but we try to focus on um, these uh, indie beauty brands and startups. Um, so I think that's a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, does that end up being kind of a sizable chunk of revenue, or is it more about and if they, you know, some of them blow up and then you started working with them early, like, is that, how does that work? Is it more the contribution they make to the business or is it more like what they represent, what they could become if they do well? I think um, for us, um, dealing with smaller brands is obviously much more difficult than dealing with, let's say, Estee Lauder or L'Oreal of the world because they have no idea how things work. Mm -hmm. so we have to hold their hand for very small business, you know, ten thousand dollar order we have to work equal to if somebody's giving us ten million dollars Yep. But what's the return? Obviously we would have probably have more higher gross margin because it's a smaller run. But more importantly is that there's an opportunity that no one is doing this. So at at some point they could scale up and become critical mass. 
and then you're able to generate good profit margin uh, and continuous. And some of them, like you said, I even talked to Anastasia, she studied like 48 pieces and 100 <laughs> pieces when she beginning and, and, and you know, look at the quantity that she's uh, ordering now and, and you could grow together. Literally, you could grow with a small brand and you and, and, and make you successful. So we are looking for something like that as well. Um, but I think there is a niche that no one is really doing it. So I think there's an opportunity. And I and that's my always, um, my philosophy cards in the business is do something that no one, you know, there's a demand and no one is really doing it or doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. And then you become successful. Uh, and I think the same way how you build your um, business tool is that there was an opportunity that no one is really doing what you are doing and you're the, one of the first companies that's done the influence uh, tracking. And same thing I think for me, um, I left is that kind of niche. And uh, and even in Google Lab, um, you know, no one was really doing the right way of country manufacturing. They didn't understand what service meant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't understand what quality meant. So I just gave them a service and quality and just grew. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's, um, I think at times when people start companies, they start them because they want to see something exist in the world and they want it to be this way. And it's like, honestly, the easiest way to start it is to kind of let the market be your guide, right? Like, you know, we've, I've been asked by, for whatever reason, several people that were like, Hey, I I really want to get into live shopping, right? And there's all these new companies that are doing live shopping, right? Which is like people, you know, online selling actively. And the theory has always been, well, it's really big in China. So it will get big here, right? The U.S. is just behind. It'll get there. It'll get there. It'll get there. And, you know, I go into these apps and there's, you know, 100 people or 50 people or like, you know, and you compare that to TikTok or Instagram and these others. And it's like, this is clearly not what people want, right? They're, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but there is no demand here, right? And like inventing demand is just really tough unless you have something that's really breakthrough. Um so yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm aligned with that. It sounds so straightforward, but I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs don't get that, right? Like, you know, I just moved to Palm Beach, Florida, and and I say there's so much demand for amazing sushi place, and there's no amazing sushi place here. And somebody needs to open an incredible sushi place here, and they're gonna be very, become very successful. <laughs> <laughs> it's like crazy, right? like wait a minute everybody i know wants this and there isn't one let's do it (laughs) um so one of the projects i think you're obviously most excited about like you've said you know brand building is really something that is your you know the thing that you enjoy the most um so i know that you've got some brands in incubation some you can talk about some you can't talk about maybe where are you seeing kind of pockets of demand and like, what kind of brands or spaces are you thinking about getting into today? I think there's a, still a tremendous opportunity, Connors. Uh, I know there's like hundreds of thousands and tens of thousands of brands are born each year. Uh, but still, uh, that's the future. And right now, I am incubating some brands, and one of the brands um, that I like to focus on, which I would like to launch, um, First half of next year is the hair care brand. Um, mm-hmm. I'm working on, um, and it's, you know, similar uh, 
some, some ways, uh, but it's about more interesting how we could focus on hair care. Uh, so I'm working on that. Uh, I'm also, you know, helping other people um, start their own small brands, supporting them, um, mentoring them, uh, and, and sometimes make a small investment in uh, those brands as well. So, few things, but keeps me busy. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what is it in hair care? Like, where where is there some kind of gaps there that you think exist? Mm, obviously, you know, there's so much successful in hair care, like all all flex and other brands that's out there. Um, but I think for me, I think we are really focusing on the root of hair mm-hmm. and the root, and a brand is called Well Rooted, um, and and in taking a little bit more scientific approach to the um, hair care. Uh, the brand has not really launched yet, and so there's not much I could talk about it, but I think we want to try to position in that direction. Something like, again, not too many people are doing it, so I think there's a demand there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's been a number of big breakouts. Briogeo has also done really well. K18 has grown very, very quickly, um, both because of innovative products, like you said, but also I think they've done really well on social. Um, okay, so let's do one kind of fun end of show question, right? So when John and I were meeting up with you, you know, you had uh, talked about starting a restaurant, and maybe you've already kind of revealed this. Uh, but you were talking about starting a restaurant uh, in New York City, where you still, you know, you still spend some time in New York and grew up there. Um, if you had to start a first restaurant, other than maybe the sushi restaurant in Florida, what would be what would be the theme of your restaurant? What's the branding? What's the name? What? How far have you gotten on that front? Yeah, I you know somehow in my stuck in my brain is that someday my dream is to own a restaurant. I don't know why. <laughs> I just, <laughs> For the last 10 years, um, and now you know, I want to make that happen. Um, and so, I guess I'm one of those personalities that's kind of like perfectionist. And when I see something beautiful, I really appreciate, such as like what its furnitures, how things are done. And I'm all, all about personal experience. So, you know, I go to different restaurants or um, anything. For me, those are very, very important. So even I like we just talked about this last week, I told everyone, when people walk into our lobby in our company, whether they're trying to sell you anything, sell you ingredients, sell you paper towels, whatever, you must treat them with amazing experience of coming into our company. Mm-hmm. Treat them like if they're the president of the United States. Show them <laughs> Like really, so those experience they come into is very plays very important role in my life. And so going back to the restaurant, um, you know, my dream is to have this small restaurant. People come and have that incredible experience that it's hard to see. And obviously the food, and I'm, I'm looking at more of a vegetarian, vegan, you know, more that you know, farm to table concept in that way. But I want to open where when they come in, they, I would have a small locker where they put their cell phone in. When they come in, their name is already on the table, mm. the corner, yeah. 
and you sit down and we call it eating meditation. You sit mm. down, you really enjoy the food, but and as you bite the food, you think about how this food was made and how it come about, and it's so deep thinking experience that you know I like to try. Uh, it's not like omakase style, but um, I don't know. It's just it's a, it's something that I would enjoy building it, building something. Yeah, for nothing. No, it's fun. I think, uh, and again, the little details end up mattering a lot on those kinds of things. Um, I think uh, I don't know if you've ever read this book, but it it sounds like a very similar philosophy to the way that you've approached things. So it's called "The Winning Takes Care of Itself." Um, and it's by Bill Walsh. So Bill Walsh was, you know, the coach of the 49ers when they went on the crazy run in the eighties and, you know, did very, very, very well. And he was just really like, he would have instructions all the way down to the way that they answered the phones, right? Like, how do you answer the phone? This is what you say. This is, you know, like every single person in the entire organization, he wrote out very, very detailed, like, this is how this job is done. And his theory was, you know, if we just all do our jobs, we just all do what we're supposed to do, you know, the winning will take care of itself. Um, I think it's very similar to what you said about like, if we just have a good reputation, create really good products, do really good customer service, the money will take care of itself. Like that's not the hard part, right? And so, uh, yeah, this is really cool. It just reminds me a lot of that. Yeah, I totally agree agree with you that, uh, and even the restaurant, you know, you just, this incredible experience and and trust I trust me I just feel people gonna re, re, people gonna appreciate that mm-hmm. and, and there are people out there who will appreciate it and business will just settle, you, know? you might have to wait one year to <laughs> to to make a reservation but because <laughs> you're my friend you get the prime no reservation needed. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And it's funny, you know, like the little names on the table thing, like it doesn't actually cost that much money or that much time, but they end up adding up to a lot, right? So, well, I really appreciate you taking out the time today, David. I know I had a really good time. I hope you enjoyed it. I know people are going to learn a lot from it. And um, unfortunately, they haven't had the benefit of having a bunch of these conversations with you and getting to kind of absorb it over time. But um, appreciate you sharing what you've learned and uh, and congrats again on everything as always uh, but thank you Connor and thank you for inviting me uh, to your show and uh, I'm looking forward to see you soon yes for sure I'll see you in New York soon or maybe in uh, WWD I'll see you there okay bye good. David thank you hit subscribe now earned by Tribe Dynamics Tribe Dynamics unlocks your social media influencer community. Our platform not only tracks and measures your best influencer relationships, but discovers new influencers to grow your business through earned media. Get started with a demo today at tribedynamics.com. Tribedynamics.com.